Today, we're going to look at some news stories that your mainstream media doesn't want you to see. Also, some of the backstory behind a few headlines. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been following a few stories and trying to get a little bit of a backstory you're not going to get anywhere else that I know of. Maybe out there, but I want to share just a few thoughts. I want to go back, oh, about a week and a half ago to the 12th of November. It was a Friday when the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals found that um, they should put a stay on the OSHA mandate pushed by President Biden that all companies with 100 or more employees had to have all their, their people vaccinated by a certain date. In other words, they had to have a plan in place by the 5th of, uh, of December, which is actually a Sunday, so really the 4th of December, and then by January, what, the 4th or something like that, everybody had to comply. And if you didn't, you would be expecting huge and massive fines because this is going to be the federal government just pounding this in, and OSHA is going to come in there like stormtroopers and find you if they find any unvaccinated person on your staff. Well, the story came out, and many of you heard it, but I'm surprised how many people did not hear it and also what has happened since that time. So we go back to the 12th, and there's now a stay. In other words, you can't do this. And the reason they did that is the fifth court really believed it would be struck down as totally unconstitutional, which means really that if your employer actually tells you that December the 14th is a federal deadline and requirement, your employer is a liar, period. And because of this, OSHA has decided, and this is the story that CNN and NBC and MSNBC and they're really not wanting to tell you the whole story. Just a few people, maybe on Fox and Newsmax and other places will let you know that OSHA decided this past week to suspend activities related to the implementation and enforcement of this uh, emergency order and for safety and the vaccines and all that pending future developments in the litigation. Now, that was not a big story. And many places outside of a few that I read ignored it. So I did a little checking. You can go to the OSHA website and you'll find out that they're, they've decided for the time being to suspend any activity. In other words, they're not going to enforce a December uh, deadline or a January deadline for now. Not until the courts have spoken. And I think that OSHA's being for the first time in a long time, on the smart side. In other words, they don't want to keep pushing down this road to get slapped down even harder in face of the fact that a court put a stay. Because I believe there are people inside of the White House that are hoping beyond hope to push through this unconstitutional mandate from the president through a federal agency. And many legal scholars agree. The overreach is too broad. It's nonsensical. 
It's not uniform. It makes absolutely no no delineation in types of workplaces or anything. It's just a, an arbitrary number that could be changed from 100 to, to 49 or to 3 or to 1. You could be a sole proprietorship like me when I had a business, and I would have to get vaccinated or I'd be facing an OSHA requirement. It makes no sense. And so the backstory to me is, what's the next step? Now, understand there are a lot of lawsuits out there by a number of states and a lot of religious organizations and companies suing the federal government. And when you have something like that occur, you try to combine all these similar lawsuits into one big lawsuit to go before an appellate court. And this week, we found out that court is going to be the 6th District Court based in Ohio. So I, I kind of wondered a little bit, who's on that court? How would this thing possibly play out? Every once in a while in this mess, we've had, we've had some bits and pieces of good news. So keep praying on this one. So I looked up the makeup and who's on the sixth court. And I started looking at the current judges. There's one vacancy, so there are 11 judges, not 12. But there are 11 judges. Six of those judges were appointed by Donald Trump. Okay? And only a couple were appointed by, by Obama and one by Bill Clinton. And the ones that were appointed by George W. Bush... 2002 and I think 2004, something like that. I can't quite remember. I read the story a little while ago and I don't have it in front of me. And you look at the credentials of some of the ones that um, George W. Bush appointed. Some were actually Reagan appointees to other courts. So there may be some hope with all of these lawsuits, you know, just coming down the barrel at the federal government and their overreach demanding that all these businesses, you know, I, I, I've got a, got a relative that's looking for a job and they're very qualified for the job they want to look for, but they're being told by these companies, because we're so big, you have to be vaccinated or we can't even consider your application. Not that anything this person is going to really be doing would make any difference not going to be infecting other workers in the way this individual will be working or other people. But no, we have this one-size-fits-all silliness. One-size-fits-all silliness out there that everybody must get jabbed. I don't want to get too much into this. We talked about it enough this past Friday. I don't need to, to reiterate the obvious. We know the vaccines are failing, where they're used heavily, where the majority are, are already vaccinated and getting boosters, it's not improving their COVID numbers. Places like Sweden uh, that didn't have mass mandates, didn't have forced vaccinations, are doing so much better. So is Florida and Texas, big states, lots of population. And they are watching their numbers keep declining as other states' numbers keep increasing. Now, I know a lot of it has to do with the warmer weather in Florida, but that's not necessarily the case in a Texas Texas can get rather cold, as we saw last year. They can get snowstorms and ice storms. 
and they have a definite period of fall and winter in much of the state. So seeing how these states are doing better ought to, ought to save volume. So we'll see how this thing plays out over the next several weeks. And now that we know that OSHA has suspended all of their activities to this implementation and enforcement, that may be some good news after all. And believe me, in this world in which we live, good news is getting increasingly hard to find. Now let's change gears and look at some of the wonderful economic news on the spending and destruction front of this current White House administration here in the United States. And I was thinking, when I started out my life, newlywed, house, a job, then family and all that came with it. I wasn't so deeply engrossed in politics as so many of us have to be today. It was a different world. And you could choose to kind of, you know, turn away from it and just live your life, do your job, enjoy life, raise your family, have a wonderful weekend if you had the weekends off. But today we become very political, and I think by necessity, because our government more today is creeping into too much of our everyday life. We know our education system is beginning to indoctrinate our children to a different nation than the one that you and I knew growing up, especially if you're a baby boomer. Most of us are the last of a generation before the subtle changes began, very slowly, very gently, a little bit here, a little bit there. And as many of us from our generation had two people working instead of one. I came up in a household where my dad worked, my mom was at home. And that was not all that uncommon when I came along. But today, by necessity, with all the things we seem to have to spend money on and the increase in the federal bite and state bite in many places (laughs) into that paycheck, hey, if you live in a place like New York City and you're trying to make ends meet between Federal taxes, state taxes, county taxes, municipal taxes, township taxes, city taxes, village taxes, whatever you got. More than half of your paycheck is being consumed by taxes. And so we have all these mothers that have to work and also pay for daycare. And everybody wants to have the bigger home than we used to listen. I'm thinking back right now. The first house that I ever I ever owned was not a massive McMansion. It was a very nice, very new, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house. Had a small living room and then kind of a little tiny combo den dining room kitchen, the three bedrooms, and like I say, one-and-a-half baths and a single-car carport. And that house knew... In 1970-whatever-it-was-was $18,000. And it was in a beautiful lot full of trees in a small town. And I had a job. My wife had a job. And I did a little bit of checking. If you you take into account inflation, and I'm going to explain why I'm saying all this in just a moment. We were making probably combined, just starting out, $1,500 
I mean, we're new at this. You know, this is the game that life had given us. With what we were being paid then, which didn't seem like a whole lot, but it was always enough, it's like making about $80,000 a year today, which for a young couple starting out is not bad. But we didn't have to pay for cable TV. I had an antenna on the top of the house. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have a lot of things. But we lived quite nicely. We didn't even have a microwave oven yet. Oh, I think the radar range was out, but they were way out of our price league. So we just chose to use our regular oven. And we had electricity and natural gas for heating. And we live fine. And our cars were not new, but they were reliable. And we enjoyed life. And we didn't worry about the politics and all the angst. And we didn't worry about rioting. We didn't worry about all the things that are coming down the pike today. We didn't have to worry about the kids later on, years down the road, going to school, being told, maybe maybe you girls want to be a boy, so let's help you get there. We didn't have any of that going on. They weren't telling anybody how to think politically. They were trying to teach them how to read, how to write, how to do basic mathematics. Young boys in high school, even maybe learning a trade if they really didn't want to go on to college. There was no necessity like it is today. It's like everybody's got to go to college today, so we got to go in debt. College when I went to college, wasn't cheap, but it wasn't as expensive as college has become today, even in relationship, in relationship to inflation. For example, back in 1972, 73, college was costing about 3000 to $3,200 a year on average. That's it. And plus room and board. Today, if you if inflation was accounted for, that would be probably about $18,000 per year today. But some colleges are at 50 and $60,000 a year today for the same college and the same education that many of us could get way back in the early 70s. How can somebody graduate college with a debt larger than the cost of a house? And how do they recoup that over time? We've also put too much of an emphasis on degrees that really don't have any functionality in the world. I mean, if you have the money and you can afford to take certain courses for certain things that interest you, that's wonderful. But see, colleges are addicted to the money, the government grants, and the easy finance package that'll put students into debt. Hey, don't worry about that tuition. Don't worry about any of it. Just come to college, have a ball, be here four years, get your degree, and then in how many months you got to start paying it back? Now, I said all that to say this. Spending in our government keeps rising faster faster than inflation. And right now, our government is spending tons of money we don't have in a time where we have many people that simply don't want to work. We have less of an economy functioning. 
We have shortages on the shelves. We have a shipping crisis, and the government's answer is spend more money. I said it on Friday. They want to spend tons of money upgrading our port system, the port system that suddenly was working great last year and was working great up until the spring. Suddenly, it's a disaster. It's a man-made, or I should say politically made disaster. It has nothing to do with the ports. It has nothing to do with any of it. It's all screwy policies put out by just people that don't get it. They're the green earth worshiper types, and they just don't get what they're doing. Maybe they do. But see, one of the stories that I read, I, I found rather fascinating. Now, Chuck Todd over at MSNBC is absolutely not one of my favorite people at all. Um, I consider him in the reporter class of reprobates. But he did say something that I thought was rather telling, coming from an extreme leftist uh, kind of guy, Biden supporter, Trump hater, loves all things Democrat, thinks spending is great, thinks transgender is great, thinks all of this woke nonsense is just wonderful for the country. But he said, he said something the other day that I found rather fascinating. He felt that when President Joe Biden signed that uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill a week ago, it was going to be the epilogue to the ending of the Democrat majorities in Congress. Let me say that again. What he said last week was, yesterday that event, he goes, I'll be honest, it just felt like an event out of time. That event might have been impactful in August or September or October, but now it feels more like an epilogue to the ending of what's going to be, well, it's not going to be a good story for Democrats in 2022. This administration and the Democrats behind them have pushed so hard to spend so much money on so much silliness and nonsense, and they they make such incredible lies. I mean, they just, they, they give fairy tales. Oh, this will cost you nothing. How does it cost us nothing? Government doesn't produce anything. Government doesn't create anything. They tend to take a big, it's kind of like the mafia taking their, their, their cut off the top of your hard work. And bureaucrats then sit in offices telling you what to do. Like OSHA was intending to do with the Biden mandate until the Fifth Circuit Court in New Orleans said, no, you can't do that. And they gave very legal, legitimate reasons why this mandate of Biden pushing through a government agency is unconstitutional. They considered it reckless. And now you have all these other cases that have been winding their way through the court system, one by one. You have states private businesses, religious organizations, all suing over these unconstitutional mandates. And as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, it's going to go to a court that I believe will probably agree with the fifth court. And these mandates, this is my prayer, may never come down the pike. Now, there are going to be some woke companies like AT&T and a few others that are going to do it anyway. And Maybe it's time that other companies decide, you know, we don't need to do this. Let them be the new winners in the future. 
Now, another headline that I saw that, that rather fascinated me is how things have changed in just a matter of a few months. I mean, we're only, what, 10-plus months into the Biden administration? And now, majority of voters believe that Joe Biden is untrustworthy, dishonest, and incapable. Well, a lot of people knew that last year, but the the hatred of all things Trump, the the media, I mean, just hated Trump. And they lied about him. They ran negative stories consistently. They were in the tank for the Democrats. And really, I don't think that should be permitted in the way that it was done, because that's almost like an illegal campaign contribution. But another thought for another day. Matter of fact, I, I even even Fox News at times can really annoy me. They had they they had somebody on, and they were talking about Joe Biden's poor numbers, and somebody said, "Well, you know, in the first year of the Trump administration, he was down there in the basement too with those really lousy numbers." But there's a huge difference that this individual fails to take into account. This media. NBC, ABC, CBS, Washington, Compost, New York Slimes, all of them have one thing in common. They're doing everything in their power to prop up this incredibly inept administration. Led by a bumbling fool, a corrupt, lifelong Washington politician who has yet to explain how he can own millions upon millions of dollars in real estate on a senator's salary or a vice president's salary. None of it makes any sense. They worried about the millionaire that lost money becoming a president or the billionaire. I worry more about those who go to Washington and become millionaires, especially when they're there to serve the people. So a lot of people now believe that Joe Biden is untrustworthy, dishonest, and incapable. Now, the media, they try to prop Biden up, but in spite of all of their best efforts, They can't bury all of the truth that we see day-to-day in the grocery store, at the gas pump, with the coronavirus. Get your vaccine, take off your mask, oh, put your mask back on, get a booster. The the ever-changing narrative keeps ever-changing. It's never, it's a nonstop pile of lies that keep being recycled and and changed around again. New, New set of fear. And we're going to mandate everybody do this. And people are beginning to see through all of this. And see, back in in 2017, when Trump's numbers were that bad, you must remember, you had the Russiagate hoax. You had the Russian collusion delusion. You had everybody investigating anything they could investigate. It was one negative news story. 97% of all mainstream stories about Trump are always negative, negative, negative. And so to have somebody's ratings low because of what they're hearing, well, doesn't ring true. But by the time we get even a couple of years in and the Russian collusion hoax is still going before it falls apart, his numbers are rising because, hey, guess what? Unemployment is looking really good historically low minority unemployment, new businesses, new housing, new jobs. Gas prices are more under control than they have been in a number of years, 
even accounting for inflation. Even the inflation numbers look good. People were buying homes again. And so Trump's numbers, except among those that are just absolute conservative haters, those that would rather worship the earth, change the gender of your child, and stab them with an unneeded vaccine, those crazies, the climate crazies, the corona crazies, the mass covidians of this world, they're, they're, they're the ones that still hated Trump no matter how good their life had gotten because they had a different social agenda. Now, something else. Some of the experts, even from PBS, are making statements that are rather fascinating considering that they're also generally in the tank for the Biden administration. Their, their bias is well known. Even one of their PBS News Hour economic consultants said that inflation is threatening to become a spiral. There needs to be quick action to stop the inflationary psychology that currently exists. Well, it's more than a psychology. It's bad policy. When you have shortages of good services, you can't sell cars because you can't get chips. When you have companies that are forced into vaccine mandates, you have people that have chosen to just leave the workforce. All these help wanted signs, jobs that can't be filled, and a lot of companies are about to, if any of this vaccine stuff holds, or if companies are stupid enough to force it on themselves, they're going to find out they're going to have a hard time finding workers to replace some of their more key people. In other words, if you're an airline and you decide to fire 10% of your pilots or more that don't want to take the vaccine, there's, you can't train a pilot in two weeks. It takes years. And you're not going to get anybody any sooner. And those that are working for airlines not requiring the vaccination aren't going to change. And if somebody's happy where they are, why are they going to go to a different airline unless there's more money? There's going to be a pilot shortage. There's going to be a nursing shortage. And us baby boomers, thank, I thank the Lord that God has given me such good health. I haven't had to spend any real time in a hospital that I can remember. We're going to see shortages of people in a lot of industry very soon. And all that's going to do is feed this spiral that's going out of control in our country today. This Bidenflation, uh, the border crisis, this spending bonanza, it's like, you know, they grow money on trees. They can't, they can't even print it fast enough at the Fed for this kind of spending. And when Joe Biden says it's not going to cost you anything, well, maybe in static numbers that mean nothing, that may kind of be true. But, but here's the kicker that nobody wants to talk about. One thing we know about excessive government spending over the last 50 years that I've seen in my lifetime, as the government spends more, takes on more debt, the money you have in your pocket keeps declining in value. Oh, yeah, they may not send you a bill for all this money, but you'll be paying it in, in your money being worth less. Look at the price of groceries. Look at the price of gasoline. Look at the price of other things that are just going up out of sight. 
And I really believe that because of this pandemic, other forces are at work. I, I, I read stories and I'm trying to you know vet them out to make sure that I'm not giving you stuff that may not be true or may not be quite as bad as they're saying. But what's going to happen if we have a shortage of workers to do farming? What are we going to do if some of these fertilizer plants and places that provide the materials to farmers have a short supply? Could we see crop failures or could we see a lack of crops growing next year? Could we see a food shortage for the first time in the United States that I can remember in 2022? I firmly believe, and by the way, becoming energy dependent on other people again instead of independent was another stupid move by this administration. Up until January 20th, the United States was a net exporter of energy. And we had discovered, science can be a good thing, it can also be a double-edged sword, but we discovered we had lots of reserves we never really thought about that will far outlast our need for petroleum-based products in terms of fuel in time. I think technology will naturally, as it does, catch up. You can't make that a government law. Technology, you must fix this crisis by five years from now. It doesn't happen. Technology is built one layer that is well-tested at a time. And I think in time, technology will come up with new ways to heat homes, new ways to provide electricity, some yet undiscovered. That time will come. But until then, we have here in the United States and in Canada, we have our own sufficient resources to take care of our needs. And the idea of running around plugging in electric cars to save the planet, all it's going to do is cause damage to the current infrastructure that can't handle it. I'll talk about that in in just a couple of moments here. I have more different stories I'm going to get you in the next segment. I think you're going to enjoy. Some will make you a little angry, and some are going to make you a little bit hopeful. And we need hope in such troubled times as this. You know, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can have the hope of someone that can overcome the things of this world. Too many people that claim to be Christians are cultural Christians, and they're too invested in this life and this world and never think about those things that are eternal and those things that can carry them through even the most difficult of times. That's something else we need to address as well. If you believe in what we're doing, I'm trying to take a little poll this week, and I'm going to remind everybody every day. I would love to know, even if you're not a supporter, and I'm not going to try to get you on a mailing list if you should contact me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to write you back, say, you know, I may give you an acknowledgement if you ask a question, but I'm not going to put you on a mailing list. I'm not going to put you on an email list. I just don't like doing that. Unless you want to be on a mailing list, I I don't want to just put you on one. My inbox, like yours, is full of stuff every day. And I I just want to be as low-key as I can, but as St. Paul said, let the need be made known to the churches. And so that's what I'm doing, just letting you know what the need is. But I also need to know what stations you're listening to as we close out next month, the year of 2021. And I assess how to 
be a good steward of the resources that God has put in my hands. And so first question is, if you listen on radio, if you listen primarily on radio, I would love to know what station, what time, you can use your local time too, if you tell me roughly where you live, like if you live in in the Midwest, it's Central Time, East Coast, it's Eastern Standard Time or whatever, uh, Mountain Time, Pacific, or even Atlantic, because we do reach around a lot of places on shortwave. The call letters of the station, the time you listen, and if you know the frequency, that would help too. Uh, we're on a couple of domestic radio stations, but also primarily shortwave. We are on uh, WRMI. We are currently on two different frequencies, actually three. Monday and Tuesday, we get a, a little bonus airing on 5850. But most of the time, we are simply on two frequencies, uh, 5950 and 9395. And only four nights a week are we on at 10 p.m. Hopefully, I'd love to have some additional airings. We're working on it. But that would help me to know. KVOH at 9975. I would love to know if you're listening there and at any other radio station. And if you listen as a podcast, which platform? Uh, there are several out there. You may be an iTunes person. You may be getting it right from PodPoint, our primary provider, or a couple of other places. Just let me know. I'm trying to assess the best way to grow the program and not misuse or not properly invest for a good return the resources God has given to us. And if God has led you to help, even in a small way, you can do it from our website, truth2ponder.com. Also, the mailing address is on the contact page as well. And also, I believe, on the support page. If you can help us financially, uh, we would love to hear from you. And you can make a check payable to our parent ministry that I developed called Ancient Word Radio. There's a lot coming with that, hopefully next year, a couple of expansions there, unrelated to this program, but I think still altogether something that needs to be done. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, in Crestview, Florida. 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. Once again, if you were trying to find something to write on, let me give you that address again. If you make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Florida, 32536. More on the other side. This is Truth to ponder with Bob Beerman, the Moon Pledge. Coming up, Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift that you're going to love and you're going to get in a moment. The full moon, real significant in the Bible. They marked key dates in the ancient calendar. It was considered the fullness of the month. In the middle of the month was the full moon. Now, interesting thing. In a Hebrew marriage, the groom would have to visit the house of the bride, and there he'd give a gift for her and pledge his love to her, and and she would pledge herself to him. And they would share a cup of the covenant together, and they would pledge each other to each other the Kiddushin, it's called, the betrothal. And when would that happen? When would the Hebrew groom pledge his love and life to the bride? It was considered to do this 
the best time at the full moon. Under the full moon, the covenant was made. At the full moon, the groom pledged his life to the bride, and the bride received the pledge and gave her pledge to him. Under the full moon, they shared in the cup of the covenant. They pledged their life. Now, Messiah gave us a cup of the covenant, the Last Supper. He shared in his cup, his supper. And then he died. He gave his life on the cross. When? On Passover. When was that? It was the 14th and 15th of Nisan, which was the night of the full moon. When he died, there was a full moon. He was buried under a full moon. Why? Because he's the bridegroom. And the bridegroom pledges his life, gives the pledge. When the full moon comes, he gives his pledge. So he has given his pledge to you, a pledge even beyond marriage. How do you respond? You pledge yourself to him and your love and you're all because the covenant is given and so it must be sealed under the full moon and he has given his covenant and pledge to your life you do the same to him want more ask for the gospel of the moons now feeling like your walk with god could use a real spiritual boost we got the answer free subscription to sapphires warning uses directed can change your life for victory and the incredible mystery of the temple doors You'll love it. It's all free. How do you get it free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. So just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries, to be in the word of life around the earth, to every tribe and tongue, and to Israel, the Jewish people who gave it to you. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Now, you can write direct. Just write to the nice Jewish boy. That's me at box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the nice Jewish boy, box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying he pledged himself to you. You live a life of pledge to him. In Messiah, Hatan, the bridegroom of your life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I'm looking at the calendar and it's so hard for me to even conceive that this week here in the United States on Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. And I know that we don't seem to have as much to be thankful for in this super unstable world between pandemic, between inflation, between vaccine mandates and all the weirdness, it's sometimes hard to be thankful when you feel like you're being beaten down. And I get it. Now, I haven't decided what I'm going to do for Thursday's program just yet. I'm sure that I'll do something different for this Thursday. And the reason I want to do something different is to just break away for at least a day. Now, I know a lot of you may not hear the program may not be able to because of your obligations with with family and friends. You may not be there Thursday night to listen on the radio or Thursday afternoon, whatever the time is you can hear the program. But for those that do, I do plan on doing something somewhat different. And I, I promise we'll take a break from the news. But I will say this much today, that in spite of it all, many of us, at least those that know our Lord Jesus Christ, we do have a lot to be thankful for in spite of all the the hardship. Even St. Paul said, I give thanks in all things. Even my trials, my tribulations, I continue to give thanks and praise. Maybe that's what's lacking today in the church. 
We don't give thanks and praise anymore. We're so busy, wrapped up. Listen, a program like this, I get it. My job on this program is to be informative, to give you news, to give you information, but I need to go beyond that. I need to spend as much time sharing the news and giving you a fair warning of some of the things to expect. And I also want to remind you that we should put our trust in God, his people, his church, not into politicians, as the Bible says, put not your trust in the princes and the sons of men. It's just, it's just ridiculous to do so. In my, to give you an example of why I say that, because so many people right now are, are always emailing or, or writing stories, just wait till November of 2022, we're going to fix it then. We were going to fix it in 2016. If we get the right guy in 2012, if we just do this in 2000-whatever, if we just do this in 1996, I mean, it goes on and on. I'm old enough now. I've been through enough election cycles since November of 1972, the first time I ever voted. I've been through enough election cycles to have approximately now 49 years of disappointment. Not with everybody, but I'm saying as a general rule, the promises fall apart after the election is over and a person is in office. They forget everything they say. And I'm amazed how many people look for a reason to believe their favorite senator or congressman is still doing them right when they've spent 20 years just running on the same promises that never get kept. So if you think we're going to fix everything in the 2022 mid-year election, don't count on it. We might get a reprieve on some things if we make it to that election without losing more of our freedom, which may never come back. But even with all of that, even with questions about election integrity, even with the worldwide threats from communist China, even big tech censorship and and our increasing slide towards socialism, even our policies out of the White House that that seem to want to impact and control too much of our so-called free lives. When you think about it, we do have a lot to be thankful for in spite of it all. Hopefully, even though this Thanksgiving will be vastly more expensive with rising grocery prices and gas prices, restricted travel and the face mask and the crowds and and airlines unable to fulfill their obligations in some cases to get you from point A to point B, we still have much to be thankful for. We still are a nation. Though, sadly, the majority is no longer truly Christian. And that, I think, is part of our downfall. What we need to be thankful for are those fellow Christians and people that we know in our family and and friend circle. We need to become more unified with each other. Instead of criticizing and worrying about the government every day, I can do that for you. I can give you enough to keep you busy. But I'm getting to the point, and I hope you are too, that you can't just live every day around the clock for nothing but the bad news of the day. And there's going to be plenty of it. Buried in the news last week, I ran across this story from our home state of Florida. 
And this is in Flagler County, which is toward the northern part of the state in the East Coast. And it's one of those stories that gives you little signs of hope. Now, I shared a story out of Leon County uh, where they have all kind of strange issues where you had a teacher trying to help a child against the parents' wishes, uh, heading towards transgenderism. That's none of the school. It's not, a, it's not a math teacher's job. But here, a school board member, and there's a lot of bad school board members out there, but here's one. Here's one that is doing the right thing. Matter of fact, we need more people to say, you know something, I'm going to run for that school board. I'm going to, you know, at least one term, maybe two. Maybe if more Christians got on these school boards and stopped letting the political types get on them, maybe some of the weirdness that has happened in our public schools would not happen. Before I get to this story, I happened to see a story the other, the other day that re- I shared it on with some friends. You know, at some of these great universities like Yale, there's more staff, there's more administrative staff than students. And you wonder why a college education is so expensive. Yeah, more, more staff, more administrative staff than students at Yale. Does that make any sense? Even in public schools, the, the number of people in administrative positions has skyrocketed over the last 50 years. I was thinking when I went to high school, we had a principal, an assistant principal, a secretary in the office, and a nurse, you know, the school nurse. That was pretty much it in the front office. We didn't have all these administrative jobs all over the place, and we didn't have a big building full of um, more administrative people. I, Anderson County, South Carolina, I live there. I've got family there. I'm, my, my mother's family is from there. In Little Anderson County, they have five school districts, five administrative buildings full of people, all making big salaries. Doing what? Presiding over a declining education system in many cases compared to the one we had 50 years ago when those administrative buildings didn't exist. But now we have all of these administrators, all of these consultants, And we wonder why the school taxes go up. But here in Flagler County, or up in Flagler County, school board member has filed a criminal complaint regarding what this individual, this school board member, called a disgusting and sexually graphic book found to exist in the media centers at three schools in Flagler County, which she firmly believes violates Florida's obscenity laws. Now, this school board member, her name is Jill Woolbright, said she became aware of the book after seeing a video by a parent who read from the book at a school board meeting in Pennsylvania, and it was absolutely disgusting. I've seen the video, and believe me, I can't read any of it on a radio program. None of it. According to the report, this book by George Johnson, All Boys Aren't Blue, has already been removed from libraries in eight states. The North Kansas City School District pulled four of Johnson's books from four high schools earlier this month because of complaints by parents. You know, and that's something else. I just want to deviate here for a moment. People complaining at school board meetings are the targets now of reprobates like Merrick Garland 
the Attorney General of the United States. And now we're learning that he used literally the kind of stuff you use for international terrorists to spy on and have dossiers and and literally violate the constitutional civil rights of parents who come to an open school board meeting with every right under the Constitution to, to, to criticize, to complain about, and ask for change. See, in a reprobate's mind like Merrick Garland, you as a parent don't have any rights. We, the state, will dictate to your child, and you just shut up, take it, and sit down. The best way to fix the problem is not going to be with federal lawsuits. It's going to be going literally, literally, to the school board meetings enough times where those that were getting away with this stuff because nobody noticed, nobody cared, too few people attended, and they could deal with what little heat they had. We allowed this to happen, assuming the schools were doing the right thing by us and our children, when in fact they were not. And so I'm thankful that this particular school board member is filing not only just saying get rid of the book, but a criminal complaint. And she discovered there were copies of the book in the media centers of three Flagler County schools, you know, uh, Flagler Palm Coast High School, one at um, Mananza High School, and the other one at Buddy Taylor Middle School. In our county, we only have two high schools and two middle schools, and thankfully, there are none yet in the uh, elementary schools. We have to literally take our country back. And if you don't go to meetings, if you don't vote, if you don't make your voice known, then those that want to suppress you think that they've already accomplished their job because you become quiet and compliant. We in America still have a lot to be thankful for, but every year, I think it's becoming less and less. And and I really believe that Christians are going to have to start realizing that we are in this world, but not of it. But as long as we're in it, we might as well have an influence in in the world in which we live. We can't hide in our churches. We can't hide in our homes and allow the world to burn around us. What did Jesus say? You are the salt and the light of this world. The salt and light. Simple, period. No big discussion. The salt and light of this world. Understand what the audience understood when Jesus said that. Salt was not just a seasoning for food. It was a preservative. Without it, many foods like meat would would decay and rot too rapidly. But with salt, you could keep it and store it longer. It is a preservative. We should be salt, a preservative. We should be the ones trying to guide the culture, not letting the culture guide us. And too many churches have capitulated to the culture. They've surrendered to wokeism. They have agreed to leftism, progressivism, transgenderism, and any other strange satanicism that's come along. They try to go along to get along only to learn later that they have been co-opted by those that at one time they would have stand opposed, and rightfully so. 
School librarians, they like to think they're bringing the whole world of books to their students. That's wrong. Libraries, I think their libraries should be supporting the educational curriculum. There are plenty of other outlets to learn about other things. The schools have lost sight, I believe, of their first obligation. You go back 100 years ago, people that graduated the 8th grade in almost any state in the United States in 1921 probably have more practical and historical knowledge than a four-year college graduate does today. They actually know who the president is, who, who their congressman is, who their senator is, how the system of government works. They don't fall for these misinterpretations that have been given. Of course, back 100 years ago, the goal of a school was not to be a propaganda outlet for a political party or an ideology or an agenda. It was simply to teach a child to read, to write, to be able to do basic arithmetic and even beyond that. Life skills, things you need to understand the bigger world around you so you can continue a life of learning and growing, and being productive. Today, that's been taken away. Today, it's more about sexuality, identity, race, politics. In too many school districts, that's the prime agenda. And that's where the parents like you and I and grandparents, we need to let our voice be known. Write those emails, send those letters, send a fax. <laughs> I mean, if worse comes to worse, if you still have a fax machine. Something on paper that comes in the mail has a greater impact than even an email or a voicemail. When they start getting piles of envelopes saying no, especially when school boards are elected, those people have to make a choice to abide by the wishes of the parents and those that voted them into office. See, most people, I would venture to say that most people, when they vote and they see like the names of school board people, how many people have really researched who these individuals actually are? Many of them came out of education and they're into the wokeism. But they say all the right things that we need a better graduation rate. We need better scores. We need better grades. In other words, we need social promotion to get a phony graduation number to make you impressed that we're doing something. And I'm tired of it. I am extremely tired of it. We need to take back our public schools. We need to take back our government. We need to let them know that they work for us and we are not their slaves. We are not their possessions. We are not their servants. We are not their slaves. The time has come. If we don't do something now, for whatever reason, whether it's by hook or by crook, the Biden administration got in, and I think more by crook. That's my opinion. I still have no, I have no confidence in the 2020 election. And I worry deeply about the 2022 election. Will any shenanigans go on? But if there's enough numbers of people that come out to vote, if enough people are getting tired of what they're seeing from the Biden administration, this Bidenflation that you'll notice when you go to buy the last of your stuff for Thanksgiving, yeah, it's a lot more expensive. But I am thankful that I live in a nation where maybe... Maybe those that claim the name of Christ 
will rise up with one unified voice in prayer, in charity, in kindness, but also equally in boldness and demand that the right things be done. Like I say, Thanksgiving, we're going to spend some time just thinking about the things in spite of it all we have to be thankful for. I mentioned last week that I had this strange dream, and I'm just going to share a little bit more again. I just feel that God is beginning to call his people and move his people around to do certain things. Many ministries rely heavily on the internet. Now, this ministry uses it, but we do not rely on it. The fact this program is a podcast, the number of people I think on a podcast are a tiny number compared to those listening on radio. I believe radio needs to be more used and other media that is not reliant on the tech, you know, tyrant servers and anybody else. We need to be independent. I give credit to Gab, one of those social media groups. They own their own servers now. They don't depend like Parler did on servers owned by Jeff Bezos, Amazon Corporation, and having the plug pulled. We need to retreat into our own domains and stop relying on everybody else to do the heavy lifting. We need to do a lot of that ourselves. And we need to be more inclined in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, and using, listen, if you are a Christian, and I'm going to say this, I know that people like the Nancy Pelosi's of this world, they try to justify their votes about abortion, uh, trying to separate what they claim to believe, which I don't think they truly do. They claim to be following the church teaching. But you know, your relationship with Jesus Christ is a thousand times more powerful than your politics. And everything in your politics must flow from that relationship in Jesus Christ, period. There is no discussion. This Moloch-type infant sacrifice has got to come to an end. God will not be mocked. I'll just leave it at that. If you believe in our ministry and helping out with the airtime bill, would you consider a gift to our ministry? If you write a check, make it out to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And mail it to Truth to Ponder. Truth to Ponder. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And we are in Crestview, Florida, 32536. Again, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Florida, 32536. We will be back again tomorrow with another edition of this program. And I really pray that you'll consider helping us out. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.